Early September has always felt very much like the launch of a, of a new year, uh, even more so than January 1st to me, start of school, return of Congress, business, uh, traffic, everything just started, has a little bit of a hustle and bustle about it, doesn't it? The question that is very common uh, in my house and maybe uh, for you is the question, how's it going? How's that new class going? How's that new commute going? How's that new job going? How's that new season going to go? Well, that's the question that is, uh, we're going to consider as we look to the letter of Colossians. The author of this letter is the Apostle Paul, and he's actually the founder of the church in Colossia. He did not stay there, but moved on uh, after founding, founding and planting the church. He moved on, but he's uh, retained a keen interest and concern. And he wants to know, how is it going? With all the fatherly attention and care that a pastor has for his people, he wants to know, how is it going, friends? And this letter is written to say, I hear that it is going very well with you. It's a very encouraging letter. And we're going to spend this season of fall in this letter, and we're going to open with just a few encouraging observations about this church. Obviously, we don't do so simply for academic reasons, but we want to observe what's, why is it going well here, with the hope that it would be going well with us as well. So let's jump into this letter. Have it open for in your service leaflet, maybe turn to it in your Bible as you if you, may, if you brought uh, your Bible with you, you'll find some sermon notes. There's a lot of information. I've, the sermon notes are a little bit more uh, thorough than normal. It's going to be a lot, of, a lot of information at the front part, so just bear with me, okay? Uh, here's why it's going well. The Apostle Paul uh, writes in Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, I have heard... I have heard, uh, pardon me, we thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Verse 4, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, the love that you have for the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Faith, love, and hope. Faith, hope, and love. If you uh, have been to church, if you've been to a wedding, you probably have heard of those three before. Faith, hope, and love. They should ring a bell. Those are three of the visible attributes that are marks of genuine faith. Faith, hope, and love. Now notice it's faith in something particular, love for something particular, hope in something uh, specific. Imagine this childhood quiz, right? So you have some objects on this side of the page and some objects on that side of the page. And the, the, the the goal is you got to match what goes to what. So the squirrel goes, the nut, the, the, the dog goes, the bone. So you have faith, hope, and love here. And you have Jesus, one another, and eternity. What goes where? Well, faith goes to Jesus Christ. Primarily, now you can put faith in one another, certainly. Nothing wrong with that. But as we all know, faith in one another, we can be disappointed. Jesus Christ doesn't disappoint. Where do you put your hope? Our hope is in the age to come. Certainly you can hope for things in this life. Nothing wrong with that, but the Christian's primary hope is where? In the age to come, the eternity that's stored up for you. Whom do you love? Nothing wrong with loving Jesus, but I'll tell you, your neighbor needs your love primarily, right? Faith in Christ, hope 
in eternity, love for one another. Here are three visible attributes. And note, what's very interesting is the apostle says, I have heard about these things. Why is, why is he heard? Well, he's heard about these things because in a few verses later, uh, we find out that Epaphras, he's someone who's made some communication from this church back to the apostle, back and forth. The Apostle Paul has heard about their faith because Epaphras spoke about their faith, hope, and love. How was Epaphras able to speak about their faith, hope, and love? Because he saw their faith, hope, and love. I know this is a little pedantic, but how was, did Epaphras see their faith, and hope, and love? Because it was visible. These were visible attributes. If you were here last week or if you weren't, there's a good testimony about how living faith is something that's actually, you can see it. Especially we can see your love for one another. These are visible qualities, right? So we've thought about the authentic marks of a Christian. Visible authentic marks, faith, hope, and love. Now we're going to move on to the authentic marks of Christ. We state that the authentic marks of the gospel of Christ or the communication of, of Jesus. Look at verse 5. We'll pick up. Because of the hope laid for you in heaven, of this you heard in the word of truth, that is the gospel. And now we're going to find a couple of qualities that, make, that reassure this church that they have the authentic gospel. Right? So think of a spy movie. You always have to authenticate the message, make sure it's from the right source, make sure you got the real deal. Well, here are the authenticating marks of the real gospel. Mark number one. It has come to you, which indeed it has come into the whole world. So it's a worldwide message. Obviously, that's a little bit of hyperbole. The gospel has not yet made it to North or South America. But what is uh, being emphasized is that there's a wide, uh, the gospel has been spread widely, right? It's not a secret whisper that's gone to a few people. It's a widely dispersed message. Why is this important? Well, it's important because there are many areas of life in which creativity is very good. Uh, it, 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 to be... Um, Think outside the box. Very good. However, in our beliefs about what Jesus has done and who he is, creativity is not a high commodity. You and I want to be in that broad river of what the majority of Christians have believed throughout the majority of history of the church. Right? It's a worldwide message. It's not some sort of secret secret uh, information that a few have. So first of all, it's a worldwide message. Secondly, it's a growing message. Follow along with me. It has come to you into the whole world and is bearing fruit and increasing. So one of the marks of the real gospel is that it is alive. Jesus is alive. And the results of hearing about him have a real impact. Now just imagine with me a church that has gone through some precipitous decline in energy, some decline in attendance. Now this is not, there's many exceptions to this rule, but often that like, lack of vitality is often accompanied by a lack of confidence in the gospel. I know there are a lot of exceptions. 
We all go through dry seasons personally and individually, personally, and a church goes through dry seasons collectively. But just note that one of the marks of the gospel is that it is alive. Second mark, vitality. Third mark of the gospel, it is, uh, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it has done so amongst you since the day you heard it. And here is the, th- uh, the third mark, since you understood it. Did you know that the Bible, most of the New Testament, is written on a fifth grade level? It is understandable. Oftentimes preachers, uh, people in my position, we like to, you know, haul out our degrees and talk about the authorial intent and the Greek and the uh, how. It makes it sound like the Gospels is some complicated thing that you have to go to seminary and have to know the original language. It's not. Who knows what Epaphras communicated, but what he communicated was very simple. Maybe something as simple as, you know what, friends? Jesus loves you. This you can know. For the Bible, it tells you so. Now, little ones to him belong, because we are all weak, but he is strong. It's a simple message. It is understandable. Fourth message, for, uh, third quality of the authentic gospel. Here's the last one. Uh, the last mark of the authentic gospel concerns its content, and its content is grace. It has come to you, it's bearing fruit and increasing since the day you heard it and understood it, what the grace of God in truth. The content of the gospel is God's grace. God's unmerited and undeserved gift to you and me of his son Jesus who fully reveals his love to us who saves us from our sins by dying for us on the cross. It is a message not of what you have to do and how you have to earn but of what God has done for you. And so there you have it. Four marks of the authentic proclamation of the gospel. It's a worldwide message. It's a living message. It's an understandable message, and it is a message that is infused most with grace. Okay? Let's move on. So, you've heard it. You've understood it. So, the apostle writes to this church, great. Now what? Well, now what? We move uh, from this passage to our third point. We find that this simple truth, which they understood, does not remain static. I'm in verse 9. So, you, since we heard about this, we have not ceased to pray, asking that you may be filled. Underline these words. Hear the emphasis. So that you may be filled with what? Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Right? You get the emphasis, the interior person, so that you may know God's will and walk in it. Right? So it's not just enough to hear and to understand, but to go on hearing, to go on understanding so that we may know God's will and walk in it, right? The, the, the accumulation of Christian knowledge is not so that we can answer pop quizzes. Rather, it's so that you can walk, so that you can live accordingly, live appropriately. Or as we find in this passage, verse 10, so as you can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So you've got to know. The book of Proverbs jumps to mind as a, one example of a book that has very eminent, very practical wisdom as a result of deepening knowledge, right? But you have to do more than just have deepening wisdom, understanding, and knowledge in order to walk. Note how the prayer continues. 
May you be, this is verse 11, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. So first we had deepening wisdom, deepening knowledge, deepening understanding. But it's not just enough to know. You've got to have the fire in the fireplace to actually do it. Again, strength, power, and might. And so the apostle is going to pray for you and me to have the resources to walk in a particular way. Now, interestingly, what do you think those resources are going to be? Like, so the, the, the prayer is going to be so you'll be able, you'll have a couple of things, a couple of resources so that you can walk. What kind of, what are the traits that we need? Around my table at dinner time, we have a conversation that occurs uh, at least yearly. It's the conversation of if you had to have one superpower, what would it be? My wife always answers she would choose to be elastic woman, mainly due to uh, household efficiency uh, reasons. So what kind of superpowers do you need in order to walk in a way that's worthy of the gospel? All right, here it comes. Here's a superpower you need. You ready? Follow along with me in the text. For all, number one, endurance. Number two, patience. Number three, Joy, endurance and patience and joy. That's what you and I really need. And I know it's a bit of a snoozer. Like, I would like elastic powers or something a little bit more phenomenal than just endurance, patience, and joy. But if you think about it, what are the things that you need to continue as a mature follower of Jesus Christ? Endurance, to walk through difficult times. Patience, to walk with difficult people. And joy, so that you don't give up. So we find this admonition, this encouragement to not just, not just that you heard and understood, but now go on hearing and understanding and walking. Fourth and final, we're going to, we see the invisible results of genuine faith. So the invisible results. Now, keep in mind, we began by thinking about the things that were seen. I see your faith. I see your hope. I see your love. And now we can move on to things that cannot be seen. Follow along in verse, the end of verse 13, or pardon me, 12, uh, verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has done the following. He has qualified you uh, to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He has transferred us from the kingdom of his beloved son. He has redeemed us and he has forgiven us of our sins. These are five really mind-boggling uh, truths that have occurred for every man, woman, and child who has placed their faith in Jesus. You have been qualified. You have been forgiven. You have been redeemed. You have been uh, transferred. All these things are absolutely true. Notice they're in the past tense. Do you see that? It's not that we are being qualified, that we're being forgiven, we're being redeemed. No, apparently something happened, something unseen, something miraculous, something earth-shattering happened to you and me through what Christ has done. So there we have it. That's a, it's, I know it's a huge passage with a lot of content. Let me summarize and then make a few points of application. So by way of summary... Here's how we can think of this great passage. Number one, we see the authentic gospel. It's 
broad distribution, its, its uh, comprehensibility, its, its message of grace. We've seen that this church in Colossia received it and heard it, and we've seen the immediate impacts of hearing and receiving. You have been transferred. You have been qualified to share in the inheritance with the saints of light. You have been forgiven of all your sins. You have been redeemed. We've seen the, on, the need to, on, to continue to walk in that with all wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, with strength and might and power for patience, endurance, and joy so that we can continue to walk. And finally, we've seen the evidence, uh, the visible evidence of walking with Christ. And what are they? Faith in Christ, hope in eternity, and love, and love for one another. Let me make a few, just two points by way of drawing our thoughts to conclusion. Two things I believe we should hold in balance. The first things that we should hold in balance are the visible results of trusting in Christ and the invisible results of trusting in Christ. The visible results, faith, hope, and love. We heard about these things. We saw them way to go. The invisible results, you've been qualified, you've been redeemed, etc. A story by way of analogy. This summer, we took some family vacation, and my, uh, my son Matthew was on his first plane flight. He's six years old, and this was a subject of much discussion. Imagine being a six-year-old in and uh, on your first airplane ride, we're sitting on the tarmac. Dad, where are we going? We're going to Colorado. How far away is Colorado? Well, thousands of miles. Start, we start taking off. Yeah, Dad, how, how, are we, how are we staying in the air? I have no idea, son. It it's, it's, could, could be pixie dust. I don't know. No, it's air pressure. Air pressure, that's what does it. How high are we, Dad? We're 30,000 feet. How fast are we going, Dad? We're going about 500 miles per hour. And I believe my son really believed me. Yeah, 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 we're at 30,000 feet. But he probably had very little comprehension. I mean, think about it. You're sitting in a climate-controlled setting, right? adjusting the temperature, eating your bag of peanuts, pressing... One too many times, <laughs> this little button, so that someone will come and give you another bag of peanuts. And all the while, you are in reality traveling at 30,000 feet, 500 miles per hour, a distance of over 1,000 miles in how many, who knows how many states. This story does have a point. The analogy is that I think about those invisible things which have occurred for each man, woman, and child uh, who have placed their trust in Christ. And it feels a little bit to me like Matthew probably feels about flight. I, I, I thoroughly believe, just like he believes that we're going to Colorado at 30,000 feet, I thoroughly believe that I've been qualified to share in the inheritance with the saints of light, that I've been redeemed of all my sins, that I've been forgiven, that I've been transferred from darkness and into light. I believe these things because it tells me that it's true. I just have a hard time comprehending it. Further, I have a hard time comprehending it because often it doesn't feel like I'm, that's the case. It feels like I'm just eating peanuts, cruising along, rather than these glorious things which are true. Doesn't it? 
But here's the thing. While I may not comprehend it fully, I may not comprehend what it means that I've been, uh, the, the immediate impact of all these great things that are true, I know how to act on the airplane. I know that when I'm supposed to buckle that seatbelt and tray and chair in upright position, I, I know how I'm supposed to behave. Here's the point. All these great, grand, glorious things are true, but here's where you and I ought to focus. The, the lived out daily visible results of faith in Christ. That being faith in Him, hope in eternity, and primarily love for one another. That makes sense? Like we know how to behave on the plane. And trust me, if through trust in Him, you're heading to Colorado. 30,000 feet, 500 miles per hour, all these things are true. What we ought to be concerned with is how we're behaving on the plane. I hope I've not pushed that analogy way too far. <laughs> so we find a balance between the visible results of living faith and the invisible results. Both are true. Secondly, we find a balance between faith which has been understood and an ongoing understanding. Both are true. Again, our second point. The gospel has been understood by you, but now go on understanding. And that first, when that gospel first came, it was received with joy and gladness. And now get about the work of following him with patience and endurance, etc. So a balance between understood and ongoing understanding. A few weeks ago, I was speaking with a, someone, and I feel like our shared story was fairly common. It's a story of, of Christian, uh, my, my Christian journey. And that is, as a young person, as a, a, an adolescent, my, my uh, discipleship or my uh, journey with Jesus was marked by a lot of highs and a few lows. We had this event called Happening. It was through the, uh, through the church, and we went on this weekend, and it was great, and it was very emotional, and we were all sleep-deprived, and there were a lot of letters, and there were a lot of beautiful songs, and it was a spiritual high. And then, you know, we went back to school, and that was okay. But three, four months later, there'd be another spiritual high. And, and the life, faith life of an adolescent was really kind of from one mountaintop experience to another. Then you get to college, and for me, that was a little bit of a lull. And then it comes, you get to adult faith. And no more, there's no more highs, Right? Maybe we even look back with those uh, camp experiences as, what was that all about? All that emotionalism. Nah. And we get back to the adult business of being a Christian. And it's all endurance. And it's all duty. And I'm going to go to church because that's what I'm supposed to do. And I'm going to put money in the plate because that's got to do that too. And I'm going to help out in the various ministries because got to do that too. And everything's duty. And discipline and drudgery. Now I'm overstating the case. I do believe that endurance and patience are absolutely essential. And I believe that it's not for no reason that they are listed first. That you'll be strengthened with all endurance and patience. Because more than anything, those are the things that you need to follow Christ as an adult. 
A wise person said, if you can make it through your adult years with your discipline still intact, there's nothing you cannot do. I believe it. But don't forget about the joy. Endurance, patience, and what else? Joy. I feel like we get into adult following of Christ and we just forget that Jesus is still alive, to be open for a joyful encounter with him. So don't forget about the joy. The joy of re-encountering, of re-understanding the grace of God. So, there we have it. How's it going? How's it going? That's the question we ask this time of year. How's it going? Well, for this church, I hope for you, it's going well. It's going well in this church because having heard and understood the good news of Jesus, they are encouraged to walk with him in endurance, yes, in patience, yes, but also with joy. Friends, remember the joy of following Jesus. How's it going here in this church? It's going well. Through their faith in Christ, they have been redeemed, qualified, forgiven, and transferred. All those invisible and frankly overwhelming results of genuine faith are being lived out with love for one another. Friends, remember the privilege of touching someone else's life, of loving one another. Amen.